Our scripture this morning comes from John 4, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So bear with me. (laughs) So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than your ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You were right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these, to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came, 
They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not, that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this moment, for bringing us here. It is because we have seen for ourselves you are the Savior of the world that we gather. Have mercy on me, a sinner. In your name, amen. So it is my understanding that today starts Jeff's sabbatical. He was on vacation with his family, and so we want to keep him in our prayers, especially the next couple of weeks, as um, he is at risk in the elements. <laughs> um, but also we want to pray for him and uh, this time of prayer and spiritual growth as he goes, um, this time of discernment for him as well, not only just his safety, but also that he hears from the Lord. Um, in this time. And so um, I will be preaching today, obviously. 
Um, and then John Dick will be with us next week. And then Jerry Wallace will be with us the following week. And then Jeff. So um, that's the plan. So um, here we are. So our passage today includes an iconic story. Jesus breaks social norms, traditions, and customs by sitting with a Samaritan woman and further by talking to her. He reveals himself as the promised Messiah, the gift of God that changes this woman's life. This woman starts out coming to fetch water from Jacob's well and then walks away an evangelist, sharing the good news of Christ Jesus. It is this woman's testimony of her encounter with Jesus that calls many Samaritans to believe in him. It is because of their encounter with him that they know he is the Messiah. The Samaritans would have had a different view of the Messiah than the Jewish people. The Samaritan view would have focused more on a prophet like Moses. And they likely would not have accepted that the Messiah was the son of David. The woman at the well believes that the Messiah will reveal all things. And then Jesus does just that. He speaks to her personally and then states that he is the Messiah that she was speaking of. Jesus tells her, I am the one speaking to you. This I am statement may be an allusion to the divine name God, the divine name of God given in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. When God says to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall, you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. The mention of Jacob's well might draw us to remember Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. The author of John reveals that Jesus is Jacob's ladder back in John 1 verse 51. You will see heaven open up. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So here we see Jacob's ladder is at Jacob's well. My favorite part of the story is that Jesus says of the water in Jacob's well that those who drink of it will be thirsty again, but with the water that Jesus gives, they will never thirst again. And then... After her encounter with Jesus, we see that the woman leaves her jar and goes back to the city to tell her neighbors about her encounter with the living water. You see, what Jesus offers can't be contained in a cistern or a jar. It simply cannot be contained. Not in a building, not in a single service, a Sunday school class or a Bible study. The gift of God through Jesus Christ trans transforms the person 
And it is that transformation that splashes out as it overflows in every area of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul writes that this treasure is in clay pots. The treasure is the light of the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus. A love so powerful that it goes beyond our understanding. We would never put our treasure in fragile pots. It is hard for us to fully grasp the implications of this. Even though we know that this gift of God is for all people, we fall into this trap of trying to determine who is worthy. And we hide our treasure away behind a combination lock. The very fact that Jesus sat down next to this Samaritan woman was scandalous. What a visual of the gift of God. It often doesn't make sense. It defies our comfort and our ideas of normalcy. A Samaritan woman, in particular, would have been considered unclean. It was customary for Jewish people to cross through the Jordan River in order to avoid Samaritans. Here, Jesus is right in the middle of it. The light of Christ is hope for all people. Here, the Samaritan woman is fully aware of the present darkness. She knows full well that not only are they not supposed to interact, it was especially a big deal for him to really see her. She was pariah. In times of trouble, we are more aware of our thirst. We're thirsty for relief, for help, for peace, for rescue, for healing. Now think about the times when a community is joined in prayer over a tragedy, an illness. Come together and ask for a miracle. There's this overwhelming peace that is felt when we're together. The room feels different. It is in these times when we realize together that the Messiah is with us. That our thirst is quenched only when we turn to God. It is in those moments that we forget the container we were trying to fill and hold on to. Because we realize that our thirst can only be quenched by the Messiah. It wasn't about 
the cisterns. No matter how many cisterns she filled with water, the thirst would come back. I was playing Monopoly Junior with our twins, Gibson and Neely, one night. It's the version with the electronic pay tracker. And so each player has a card, and you put it in there, and then it tells you how much you have left so you don't have to deal with all the money and the coins. And it's, it's much easier cleanup. Um, so Neely checked her balance, only to realize that if she landed on someone else's spot, she would have to pay the rest of her money in rent, and she would lose the game. She immediately began to get upset at this realization. It just so happened that on my turn, I drew a chance card, and that chance card would allow me to advance to an empty space and claim it as my own for free, or I could go to someone else's space and buy their land from them. Well, Neely owned the coveted Park Place. <laughs> so I made my way to Park Place, and I purchased Park Place from her. This was an exciting thing. She now had more money. Um, so, great solution, right? Um, but it wouldn't quench Neely's thirst very long. Like the water drawn from Jacob's well, it would only be a short time before the thirst was back. The money relieved the disappointment for a moment. But a few rolls of the dice and having to pay up would once again leave her without money. I couldn't offer her a foolproof way to win. I could only do what I could to help her strategize. But eventually, the game will go the way it goes. My attempt to keep Neely in the game would work tempor temporarily, but it wouldn't prevent the inevitable, which may have been her landing on Park Place and <laughs> having, <laughs> having to pay dad rent. Um, <laughs> the surface level thirst was to continue to be in the game but the deeper thirst was the desire to win or be successful in the moment I could quench the surface level but there is something deeper that we will continue to work on if we're willing to be honest the church can still be a physical well for many of us. The pressure to track numbers, to keep people coming. We often switch things around and make adjustments that serve the short term, but overlook sustainable spiritual development. These things lose traction because they are deeply dependent on physical things. That leader, attendance, a certain age demographic. 
we can fall into the trap of addressing surface-level thirst and overlook deeper issues. What if that group leaves and they take their money? What if that group leaves and they take their ideas? What if that group leaves and they take their children? The what-ifs usually seem to be more about leaving than about staying. A large problem with this is that we see people in terms of groups when we are called to be one. Being one does not mean that we are all exactly alike. It doesn't mean that we have the same thoughts, the same views. It means that we have one goal, and that is to be transformed and to be about God's kingdom. Even in our worship this morning, we have heard different parts making up one song. Speaking of togetherness, I think we have an audio clip. And if so, we'll check it out. know the whole song <laughs> and it just doesn't seem quite right when the parts are isolated the song isn't complete without the bass line the vocals the guitar the organ the drums playing together these parts are on their own but individually or they're fine on their own but individually they do not complete the song likewise we all play a part in the family of God. We see that played out here as Jesus offers living water to the Jewish people and the Samaritans. The woman asked Jesus specifically about the appropriate place to worship. Surface level. And Jesus answers that location won't matter for the true worshiper. Maybe some of us have been showing up 
focused on quenching a momentary thirst that serves us rather than drawing from the well that transforms us into Christ-likeness. We can piece together rather easily what brought this woman to the well. Obviously, she was coming to draw water to meet her needs. However, we don't have the convenience of the author laying out exactly why this woman was drawing from a well of broken relationships. Knowing what I know from my life experience and walking with people through a number of circumstances, I bet there's probably a thirst for relief. I imagine this person had experienced deep hurt and grief, and she was trying to numb that by running from companion to companion, never finding lasting relief from her pain. If she only knew the gift of God. Jesus knows her well. The Messiah is revealed in the words Jesus speaks to her. Jesus knows her, yet doesn't reject her. Stop drawing from wells that offer temporary satisfaction. Temporary relief. Drink the water I have to offer you, and you will never thirst again. Jesus is not restrained by the court of public opinion, not stopped by cultural or religious tape. Jesus addresses these barriers and states that the day is coming when worship will not take place on that mountain or in Jerusalem, but that authentic worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Worship should happen everywhere. Because the gift of God isn't a physical gift in or for a moment. The gift of God is the transformation of created beings into the hands and feet of Jesus because no amount of religiosity, policing, and social appropriateness will ever give us the transformation or salvation that comes from Christ alone. If we are concerned with the space, the atmosphere, our comfort level, we will miss the gift that God is giving. When we encounter Jesus, even in just reading about him, we find that Jesus is constantly turning things on their head. The last shall be first. The meek will inherit the earth. And he says to this Samaritan woman, this gift is for you especially. And while hanging beside him on the cross, he says to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Drawing from wells for physical satisfaction will never truly bring you the peace and healing that you seek. These things will pass away, but the gift of God is eternal. Even the disciples 
uncomfortable with this exchange with a Samaritan woman who, by the way, was out spreading the gospel while they were hung up on who Jesus was associating with. (laughs) Try to draw Jesus to the physical. Rabbi, eat. Jesus doubles down, describes a food they do not know. The food is doing the will of the Father. This takes us back to when Jesus was tempted in the desert, when he replies, man does not live on bread alone, but on the word of God. Jesus tells the disciples to look around and see the harvest. The water that Jesus offers to the Samaritan woman is the spirit, spirit, which will be a spring within the one who believes, welling up into eternal life. Drinking of the living water produces holy desires, a transformation that occurs through the Spirit, while human sources run out and draw the thirsty to other fountains. The one who drinks from the living fountain finds satisfaction in Christ alone. The great part about what Jesus is offering is that it is available right now. In the moment, the things that Jesus is speaking of are in the present. The kingdom of God, right now, but not yet. The kingdom is on the way? Yes. And it is also here. Open your eyes, Jesus tells the woman. Look around, Jesus tells the disciples. Open your eyes. Look around, Jesus says to us today. Do you see the kingdom of God in the present? Jesus reveals that it is now. We're called to see beyond the indicators of our human thirst, whatever they may be, and see the gift of God. It's here. This chapter of the Gospel of John opens with Jesus fleeing from Jewish authorities who have rejected him and ends with ordinary Samaritans who accept him as the Messiah. Open your eyes and know the gift of God. Amen.